Now, people look at those things a little bit differently. That's fine. I'm not going to. I'm not going to try to tell you what to do with your money. And also, I just might add this little uh, before I even start. See, you get all these bonuses, you know, in the message. And that is, I do not look at one dollar that people in the church I minister to what they give. I don't want to know. It's none of my business. As I look at others, pastors would debate, debate me on that because they want to. Uh, I just all I'm interested in is the bottom line. How are we doing? Are we plus? Are we minus? So I just wanted to throw that out too, not for any grace or anything of that nature, but just let you know that uh, I I don't get involved with the money here. Those on the board know that. that I let the board people handle those kind of things. Like I say, I just want to know what the bottom line is and what, what the trends are because I'm just going to trust God. And every church that, that we've ministered in, I can honestly say with the blessing of the good Lord Jesus Christ, our church has always have never had any financial problems. And I say that not out of a because of us, but also out of how we feel personally about giving to the Lord. We always figure that part of giving to the Lord is the blessings that we receive, and we don't give because of the blessings. We give because we love him. We give because what he's done for us on the cross. But, but there is some blessings that come from giving according to the Lord's will, and he will bless you. So he's, he's always blessed our churches that we've served in, not ours, his, that we've served in, he's always blessed them financially. And so, and that pattern's not changed in this church. We've, Mike Haven, we've come a long way, guys, in this church financially. Thank you, Jesus, for that. So that's another, another bonus blessings we receive when we really hone in on what Jesus, how he views our finances. Amen. Amen? I heard a very weak amen. Uh, maybe John or Ron, maybe you want to lock the doors before we start. Maybe you won't leave. Oh, Lord Jesus, we praise you and thank you so much uh, for this wonderful year, this wonderful time of the year as we, as we come closer to the birth, your birth, Lord. We give you praise for that and all the gifts you've given us. And Lord, I just pray that this message will just touch your people. They will draw them closer to you. And, and I pray that this message will not be offensive to them, Lord, but will encourage them and give them some additional insight or just reinforce how they feel about giving to you and to the church. And so, Lord, I pray that you anoint me through your spirit to preach this message. For your glory and honor in Jesus Christ. Amen. Sacrifice is big in the Bible. The disciples sacrificed their lives spreading the gospel message and expanding the early church. Read the book of Acts. It's a great example of just what I just shared with you. And those early believers shared their possessions with others in need and felt that Everything, everything they owned belonged to God. And that is the key. Everything that we have 
everything that we own ultimately belongs to God. It's his. Amen? So if you give me a lot of amens, that'd be cool because then I know you're not mad at me. So, okay, amen. Um, But the greatest sacrifice, that's what we need to be and think about. The greatest sacrifice was when Jesus Christ came to be born in, on this planet. That's why, of course, we celebrate Christmas. We remember that Jesus came to be born on this planet and ultimately gave his life because the divine became our sacrifice for sin and death. And we celebrate come today because we are reminded Right now, as I speak, Andrew is with his Lord. So that is something for all of us to celebrate, all of us to understand that one day when we come to that point in our lives, when our lives are over on this planet, God is saying, oh, it's just beginning. It's just beginning for you. Eternal life. Keep that in mind, that eternal life is, is our ultimate final destination. Amen. All right, that's right. Amen. So, so when we talk about money, I want to start with my first thought is sacrifice determines the size of the gift. Now, understand there are multiple, there's, mul- there's different paths we can go and preach about money. There's hundreds of them. God has laid, laid this path on my heart. So I'm not saying this is the only there, there's so many other different uh, uh, messages we could preach on money. But I want us to look at Mark 12, 41 through 44. And Jesus spent a great deal of time talking about money because it measures where the heart is in our spiritual decision-making. It measures the heart. God looks at our hearts. You know, we cannot, our hearts cannot kid God. He, we, can, we can say things in our minds I can try to convince you of something in my mind, but maybe my heart is, is thinking and believing something else. Jesus looks right into our hearts when it comes to our money. Among other things, when we're talking about money, he looks right into our hearts. That's why he really, someone wants to study on this, I think was sharing with, I don't know if it's Victor or, or Rudy this morning, that that. He spent like 15% of his teachings on money for, the, for this reason, because he knows what money can and cannot do. Okay. Verses 41 and 42. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Here Jesus watched as people put their offerings in the treasury box. And it's interesting, he did not sit there in a a certain place accidentally, but he's close enough to watch this woman and others put their money into this offering box. And he noticed that she put in what? Two small copper coins coins in the offering box while many rich people or other people threw in large amounts. 
So Jesus told his disciples, and listen to this, it's not the quantity that counts, but the sacrifice. It's the sacrifice that Jesus looks at because it reveals where the heart is. Verse 43, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. She gave out of all she had to live on. Now, listen, God is not telling us that we have to give all sacrifice, all that we live on. That's not, that's not what he's saying here. At least I don't believe he is. He's talking about the heart. He's talking about sacrifice. Verse 43, calling his his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. I say she gave gave everything because all, all of her, just everything that even what she lived on, she gave to the Lord. That is really impressive. In verse 44, they all gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. But in everything... All she had to live on. What we learn from this widow's giving is this. Giving is not measured, listen. Giving is not measured by the amount, but what it costs. Do you hear what I said? Does that make any sense to you? By what it costs. I have $1,000 in my hand. I come to church. I have $1,000. God, I'm going to give you ten. Okay, if you press me, I'll give you 20. But I'm not going any higher than 50. Giving is not measured by the amount we put in the plate, but by what it costs. What does it cost us? What does it cost me to pray and give to what God calls me to give? What does it cost? Giving is not measured really by the money as much as the spirit upon which it is given. God looks at the heart. All of us here are in different places financially. Some who have more, God says, should give more because they have been blessed with more. Some that don't have that kind of uh, blessing will give less. But it's what they give, the cost, what it costs them, the sacrifice that God looks at. So giving is, is different for all of us. This is one of these paths I'm going down I wasn't really planning on doing, but it just hit me as I'm praying and, and speaking to you Back in the day when I was a lay person, I was a deacon in a church, uh, First Presbyterian Church in Geneva, Illinois. Now, I am not, I don't really want to throw anybody under the bus, so just kind of get the story behind what I'm saying. Every year in that church, as a custom of most Presbyterian churches, you have like stewardship Sundays or stewardship month. Every year, usually in the fall, because they try, what they try to do is they try to put together a budget for the year. So they go by the pledges. And, and with us, and our church is 
they'd have people that would, uh, the leaders of the church, they would all take uh, a group of, of members of the church and they'd go canvassing. Sometimes, if they didn't, uh, uh, if they didn't hand in their pledge, then the church would go to them, knocking on their doors, remind them about a pledge. That can be intimidating. They tried that once with Jan, and I don't think they ever came back and did it again. You know? But anyway, my point with all of this, and what we'll do, what we did, and I've, I did that as a pastor, you try to get in, 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 in a slight way I did. You get lay people in the church to do a moment for mission. You know what I'm talking about? No? It's not your... Okay, you people. <laughs> uh, they'd have a campaign, and they'd have the lay people in the church who were, who were very active in the church. They would get up, and they'd give maybe a moment for mission, maybe 10, 10 minutes of why we should give and why they give. Okay, kind of like a witness, a testimony. So at that, that time, I was a deacon in the church, and the deacons were the money counters. So it was my, my, myself, my, my buddy. We were called to uh, count the money for that Sunday. And that's where I learned probably not to look at people give because I really got bent out of shape on this one. So, so the guy that gave this testimony why we should give is a great plea. He was a great persuader that we should, you know, give and what he gives and you give because all these reasons why you should give. And he owned his own business and everybody knew this guy had a lot of money. So, that's after church we did, we counted the money until we came to this person and my buddy said, you got to see this. And he said, you're not going to believe this. He said, wasn't he the guy that was just up there pleading for us and telling us how important it is to give to the church and everything else? He says, look, at his, look, look what he gives. Quite frankly, it was embarrassing. It really, really was. And I thought what it did, it made me sin. It really did. I'm not serious. I thought, you snake in the grass. You're a hypocrite. You know, now maybe I was too harsh. You know, that was the flesh coming out of me. But I was really, I, I, felt, I felt hurt. I felt hurt not for myself, but I felt hurt for the Lord. Is this all that Jesus is worth to you? That he died on that cross for you and this is it? See, now you see, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I don't want to do that. But I don't know where I left off. But what I'm saying is that giving is measured by the channel or the canal through which redemption flows. I give out of my redemption, what Christ has done for me in the cross. I can only give what God has called me to give, what he's convicted me to do in my heart to give to him. That's it. Now, that's why you're kind of on your own with this. But then you have to look at what is the cost of what Christ has done for you in the cross? What he's done for me in the cross. I give 
and maybe you do too. I'm not saying that I love God more than you. I can only talk about me. But I give as his redemption flows through my heart. And I love my Lord so much. I love him so much. If he said, I want it all, I'd say, here it is. Can I write the check? It's going to be a small one. But can I write it for you? Is this what you want from me? Then here it is. I don't care. Because I know at the end of the day that you are in control. And at the end of the day, you know what my needs are. Some of you have been blessed. Financially, and that is great. Praise God for that. God would never deny that. See, that's not what I'm saying. If you think that's where I'm going, then stop, because that's not really where I'm going. You know, some people make a lot of money. All Jesus is saying is, just don't make it your God. Don't make it your idol. Don't just live for your money. Live for how much money you can make. That's where the problems come. Does that make any sense to you? You know, and so that's what makes it so easy. What does God expect from us? Some people debate about the tithe. Some people say the tithe is 10%. Others say, no, 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 that's not how we say it. See it? So you just, it's whatever God lays in your heart. But just take the idea of the tithe just for a moment. The tithe says, God gives you $10. He says, you keep the nine and give me a buck. Now, I don't gamble, but to me, those are pretty good odds, aren't they? I mean, he's telling me I can have 90% of what I make. I mean, that's just, you know, that's just a thought that comes. I thought of that as I, you know, as we, as we give, you know. Uh, and we don't give because we're trying to be heroes. We don't give because we think we're so spiritual. We give, like Jesus said, out of the heart. Where is your heart? Where is your heart in this? Do you realize another little path we can go down? But do you realize, I thought of this often on through the years, if every church member would give according to what Christ wants them to give, that church would never, ever, ever have one financial problem. Not one. Okay, I'll go easy. I try to backtrack a little bit. But I just want you to see that, how, how important this is. You know, I had a, we were privileged back in my first church to uh, minister to a young uh, a family. In Piper City, it's all farmers. It's all agriculture. It's corn and beans, basically. And we had a lot of extremely wealthy farmers in our church. That was a blessing. It was a blessing. To this day, that church has gone down so far, but they have so much money that it's almost like Scrooge. Remember Scrooge? 
You know, he's in his vault. He's counting all of his money, whatever. He's swimming in it. That's pretty much that church. But we had a young couple in there and uh, at the church, and they were... Uh, that's when I told you the wife, uh, the first, first person I, I met was her, and she, like, didn't want me around. I don't know why, but she didn't. It was, she's very hard. But they came to know God placed them on our hearts. And so Jan and myself, we ministered to that couple, and they became so filled with the love of Jesus Christ in their hearts that Roger went from, in fact, he, well, they were here, Roger and Lynn, here a month or so ago. And, and he was farming with his dad, a very small farm. And once he started giving and giving to the Lord, he's one of the, how, how would you put it? He was he's probably one of the most successful farmers in Ford County. He farms a lot, a lot of, of land. So God and has taken him. He always puts the Lord first, and money first, and God has taken care of the rest. That's what God can do, can't he? Now, some of you know what I'm talking about. You've experienced the blessings of tithing, of giving to the Lord, and what he can do. Number two, the question of money. Let's look at Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, in the New Testament, treasures referred not only to money, but other valuable centered on one's possessions. And also, also, I'm going to throw in here this giving. And that's just money given of your time, your sacrifice of your time and your efforts. You know, I look out here and I see so many of you here that every Sunday you're here. That, now, that in itself could be considered a sacrifice. You're here. That says something. That says something to your Lord. God hears and understands and knows what's going on at all times. When we're in church, he knows it. So that's not a guilt thing either. That is a fact. You know, one of the problems of the church is we're losing attendance, and that's not good. Not at all. Okay. Jesus said in verse 20, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus addressed the question of money or possession by speaking of treasures in heaven. So worldly treasures, Jesus would say, are the material things. Worldly treasures are the things that we buy. Uh, worldly treasures are things that are, that are tangible, but they're also temporary. Like I said many times, you can't take it with you. These things are temporary. Because it doesn't matter, you, can, you won't stand before your Lord and say, well, look at my portfolio. Wow, look at me. He's going to say, yeah, well, okay. What would you do with your portfolio? Now, I'm not against this. Hear what I'm saying. I, I have a grandson, Jake, 22 years old. Jake has been going with the same girl 
for about seven years. You know, he's 22 years old. He's graduated from college. His girlfriend, his girlfriend is going to graduate here in December from college. But here's the thing. Okay, you're that age, and Jacob's goal was to, is to marry this young lady. And so with both of them feel the same way for each other, so their goal has been, okay, I'm going to graduate from college. I want to get myself established, you know, in a, in a job or whatever, and start making some money to save for, and for Jake, it's saving for the ring, you know. It's saving for the ring and, and ready for the wedding. And he's doing a great job. But Jacob also is a giver. It's not all about, oh boy, I'm just going to make all this money. And he's got a very good job. Make all this money and buy all these things, which are important. I'm not saying they're not. But he's keeping it in perspective. He's, he's giving with his heart. He's giving with his heart. And God doesn't care about the amount. It's the heart he's looking at. And so is Nina. Both of them are. But nothing, see, nothing compares with building on heavenly treasures. That's the point that Jesus is making here. Nothing compares to but investing in, in kingdom things. Amen? All of a sudden, the amen's got a little weak. Again, verse 20. Have to get back to this. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. These are eternal securities. The treasures Jesus was talking about are built on the fruits of the Spirit, are built on the character of God. As we grow, as we grow in him and take on the mind and values of Christ, that's what he's talking about. He never says, you know, don't try to make a buck or whatever. He just said, grow in the values and the mind of Christ and let these other things take care of themselves. If we are focused on Jesus Christ, then, then we'll be in line with his will. We will. And so, so it's good. So somebody didn't have to coax me about me giving to my Lord. That came from God and into my heart. Nobody tried to persuade me. I'm not trying to persuade you. I'm just saying that check it out with Jesus Christ. If you are struggling or wondering if you're doing uh, God's will or whatever in your giving, just ask him. Just ask him. That's all I'm saying. Just ask him, and then that you and the Holy Spirit and Jesus figure it out. That's what I did. I said, I don't, want to hear the, I don't want to hear the other voices. God, what is it you want me to do for you? What is it? What can I do? Then help me figure that out. Amen? Amen. Verse 21. But where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus, I think, is talking about a formula for living life. Again, where your treasure is, 
your heart will be also. I think I mentioned heart at least 12 times this morning. Meaning if everything we value is the material things of this world, if that's all we live for, all you live for is how much money you can make, how many things you can build up material things, that would be your focus. That's Jesus' point and concern about money, what it can do. So many people, they want money, they have money, and they want more, and they want more, and they want more, and they want more. Because that's their focus is on the material things. However, when our heart is set on godly things, then our focus changes. It, 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 it comes, we focus on Godly things, godly values. So, you know, some people expect pastors to be religious or Jesus freaks or whatever you want to call it. I don't know how else to say it. I, I don't. It's just being, I focus on Christ. I focus on what he's done for me. I focus on I'm a lousy sinner. I focus on his grace and his mercy and then I say, God, help me to figure it out. Help me to figure out what it is you want me to do. And then do it. But beware. Some people, they're starting to judge others. That is a danger. That does not come from God. You should not care what your brother or your sister gives. That is between them and their God. Does that make any sense to you? Thinking, pastor's dancing, he's dancing. Well, I'm dancing a little bit, but I think I'm dancing the right tune to the right rhythm of this because we get, our humanness gets in the way of this, but that's not the point. Amen? Okay, I know I'm wandering. But when our hearts are set on Jesus, our values will reflect the same. That's my point. Verse 3, and then we're done. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, Jen, did they mean it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, Matthew six twenty-two through 24. And listen to this. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, Jesus said, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And then he said, verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and and money. The basic principle of this section speaks to the singleness of purpose, what I call it. The eye reflects, the eye reflects the outlook of the heart. And Jesus is saying that if if the eye is clear, if the vision is clear, then they will be fixed, their eyes will, will be fixed on godly things. However, if their eyes are cloudy, then they will be fixed on worldly things or things of the, of the flesh. So the eye fixed on Christ has a singleness of purpose. 
That is to bring him glory, bring him honor, and to figure out for each one of us individually what he wants us to do. I'm a believer. You don't have to be a, a scholar in theology to figure this out. It's simple in terms of, Jesus, what is it that you want me to do? I am lost, I'm confused, I'm frustrated. What is it that you want me to do with my money, with my tithe, with my offerings? What is it? Help me to see it. And he will, if your heart is right, he will reveal to you exactly what he wants you to do. Verse 24, again, you cannot serve both God and money. Jesus Christ confronts us with a choice. Whose master will we serve? God or money? Excuse me for a moment. I'm checking out my currency. I would encourage you to read Acts 14, verses like 8 through 22. Acts 14, 8 through 22. That's good homework. I, I did not put this passage in here because sometimes it's good to just kind of review things for yourself. Now, I'm going to basically share uh, this story in Acts 14, 8 through 22. Now, Understand, I'm paraphrasing here. Understand, I'm not giving you word for word, but I'm going I'm to share this story with you, and then as you read it at home, whatever, you can fill in the blanks. But please don't come back to me and say, well, Pastor, it wasn't exactly like that. Unless I'm really at error, you know, give me some latitude, okay? Okay, this was, Paul was converted, right? Paul was converted, and he was skying. He was in the Lord he was very zealous as a Pharisee, but now he's zealous for Jesus Christ. So he's got one thing and one thing in his heart, and that is to proclaim the gospel message. So he takes Barnabas, his companion, and they go, and they go to Lystra. And as his custom, they went to the synagogue so Paul could speak. So as Paul is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, he looks out there, and he sees someone he knows that has been touched by the faith. And this man has been lame from birth. So what does Paul do? He stops basically and he says, stand up and walk. Stand up and walk. And he stood up. How am I doing so far, Chris? I'm pretty much right there, right? Okay, good. Uh, stand up and walk. And he walked. But then, see, this was a pagan area. And so they worship all these gods. And so all of a sudden the crowd, this is where my paraphrase really comes in, the crowd, they're all excited now because they think, they think their gods have come down in, in their form. So they called what Barnabas Zeus and I think Paul Hermes, which means chief speaker. And so they were all, the crowd was really into Paul and, and were Zeus and Hermes as they were saying, Hermes or whatever his name is. And they were just, just, just showering them with probably all sorts of platitudes or whatever.
And Paul and Barnabas, they were appalled. No, no, you've missed the point. That's not, you know, they're encouraging them not to follow these false idols, these false gods, and they're trying to proclaim Jesus Christ. You're missing my point. But about that time, there were, what, some Jews, I think, from Antioch, if I, my scripture is correct in that, um, and they were trying to turn the crowd against Paul and Barnabas, and they did. They turned against them to the point where they took Paul out and they stoned him, and they left Paul for dead, and his apostles or followers were, were around him as he was there on the, on the ground. So what does Paul do? He gets up, and where does Paul go? He goes back into the city to proclaim the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Paul was rejected. He was rejected by a fickle crowd. They loved him one time, and they hated him the next. But he was bold, and he put his trust in Christ. He put his trust in Christ. All of us know. I'm a big spender. I got this dollar up here. Plenty more where this comes from, by the way. Plenty more. And I'm looking at my dollar bill, and you know where I'm going with this. I look at the front. You know, I see that must be George on there. And then I turn, I look at the back. Right there, if you have a dollar, whatever it is, it says, in God we trust one. In God we trust one. If it's God we trust, it's 20, whatever it is. Being a follower of Jesus Christ requires total trust and commitment to him. In God we trust. In all honesty, would you say that we really believe this as a society? Not even close. Not even close. But it, it sends a message that Paul is trying to send, and he sends to us today, that we need to put our trust in Jesus Christ. If you are struggling financially, put your trust in Christ. If you're struggling how to use your money, then put your trust in Christ and seek him. Amen? And amen. All right. You think we're done? Almost. Um, it's, knowing, it's knowing that everything belongs to God. Whether you believe me or not, or trust me or not, I believe that everything belongs to him. Everything that I have belongs to him. My wife belongs to him. Ministry belongs to him. My health belongs to him. What I buy for Christmas belongs to him. Because he is the great provider. Amen? And I also want to say, this includes our money which so dominates our human experience. That's why Jesus talked about it. Because he knows, he knew what was going to happen and what can happen with money. I think I was sharing with, with Jason 
I think this is this weeks ago, about my, my sister, my middle sister passed away, and they were, they were farmers. Not bragging, they are big farmers in the Forreston, Illinois area. Big. But right now, as I speak, their children, both parents are gone, in the will, their children are fighting over the will. The son is farming all this land, but he wants more. That's the rub. All because of money and power. How much do you need? How much do you need? My brother said, how much do you need? We had their reception out at, at their, and it's not a shed, what would you call it? It's like, oh my goodness. And they, they have these monster tractors. I'm looking at these tractors and thinking, oh my goodness, they look like something from outer space. They're just huge. And I'm counting them. One, two, three, four, five. Seven. You know, I think, whoa, what's going on? And yet they're fighting over how would their parents feel. Money does strange things to people. But friends, Jesus, what does Jesus require of us? He requires in closing and expects our individual loyalty to him. Loyalty to money is the lesser option. What we do with our money is important to Jesus because it speaks to matters of the heart. Jesus gets right to the heart. It speaks to the matters of the heart. Let Jesus speak to your heart. Let him reveal. So the question all of us in closing is this. What is more important to us? What is more important to you? Only you and your Lord can really answer that question. Gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for who you are and for your love. And Lord, I just pray that, and this is for me, that Lord, you'll be pleased with what I give to you, Lord that you use my offering for your glory and your honor to build up your kingdom. And I pray that for all of my brothers and sisters here this morning. This is not a guilt trip. This is not agony. This is just a prayer for the privilege of giving to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. You're wonderful, Lord. You know what our needs are. And Lord, I, I pray that for those that have been so blessed, you continue to bless them abundantly. But I also pray, Lord, that, that for them and for myself, that our hearts will be open to what your will would be for our giving back to you. 
This should not be a burden, Lord, to on us. It's more of a privilege and an honor to give you our undivided loyalty. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you stand, please? So I feel blessed because I feel like.